there's just something about the name Jesus. For it is the sweetest name that I know. Thank you for that name. Thank you for Jesus. We praise you today. We worship you today. We lift you up today. Help us to do that. You're welcome here. Have your way. Now, Lord, as always, my prayer is that it would be all of you, none of me, and that you would increase as I decrease. That the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, you are my strength. And you are my redeemer. And it is in Jesus' name that I pray. So happy to have everyone with us today on this Lord's Day. Uh, we've been for some time now in Romans. And I told you that last Sunday we would, starting with this Sunday, we would pause in Romans and deal with and talk about. word related to Advent. So today, we'll be in the gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 1. Matthew, chapter 1, verses, very familiar passage, verses 18 through 25. If you are physically able, would you stand with me as we read this passage? Matthew, chapter 1, 18 through 25. <coughs> and if you're there, you'll find the following words. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she, gave, until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. Amen. We'll be seated. <clears throat> From this very familiar passage at this time of the year, I want to talk about, uh, from, talk from the subject, handling heartbreak. Handling heartbreak. <clears throat> the year was 1979. 
That was a pretty good year. <laughs> I was 13 years old, Sister Martha, in 1979. I just gave away some of y'all. I gave away my age, well, but that's okay. I think the gray hair already did that. 13 years old, and I was an eighth grader. I've shared a story with you, with you before about my time at Bolter, but I, at, in, in 1979, I was an eighth grader at Bolter Junior High. And it was the last, I remember it vividly, it was the last day of school, 1979. And aside from the normal excitement that accompanies the last day of school, our class was especially excited because the following year, we would be the first class in the history of Tyler ISD to attend high school as ninth grade freshmen. And we still, by the way, hold that distinction. The class of 1983 is the first class that went on to be freshmen in high school in the ninth grade. It was shaping up this day in 1979 was shaping up to be a pretty good day. Last day of school, looking forward to making history. Life was good. And then my mother picked me up from school. I remember it just like it was yesterday, picked me up from school that day. And I immediately, when she picked me up, detected that something wasn't right. There was something wrong. My suspicions of something being wrong were confirmed when, rather than going home, we went to my Aunt Joe's house, which was quite odd. My Aunt Clara is here this morning. Aunt Joe, Aunt Clara at that time still lived in Beaumont, but Aunt Joe lived here. We went to, we went to Aunt Joe, or Aunt, I, we call her Aunt, that's just good name. I do. Aunt Joe, we went to Aunt Joe's house, and it was odd because normally, bro, Kimmy, we would go home, and so I, something, something didn't jive, and... I would later find out that what was going on was that my parents were getting a divorce. And we would never live together as a family again. Our family was never the same. I was hit with one of the harsh realities of life. It had a lasting impact on me. It, it, it really... It really did something to me, so much so that even now uh, in my role as pastor doing what I do, when I have the opportunity and the privilege to counsel families, I take it very seriously. And I'm very concerned about what's going on in the family because I know from personal experience how devastating divorce can be. My dreams were shattered. My heart was broken that day. Joseph, Joseph faces not the same situation, but a similar situation. Often when we read, when we read this story, our focus is not on Joseph, but rather our focus is on Mary or the baby Jesus. Uh, Joseph is really a forgotten, silent character in Scripture. We hear about Joseph, 
But we never hear from Joseph in all of the Bible. Don't hear about him. Don't hear from him. He doesn't speak. Even what we hear about him is very brief. Because after the first few years of Jesus' life, we never hear about Joseph again. It's believed that Joseph dies and he's never heard from again. Joseph faces a situation, Matthew chapter 1, that changes his life. And in the beginning, when the situation presents itself, it is for Joseph a heartbreaking experience. It breaks his heart. Uh, if you know the story, you know that Joseph is, is betrothed or espoused to Mary. In the Jewish tradition, there was what was known as the betrothal period that lasted for one year. During this time, the couple was already legally married, but they were to be separated from each other, and they were to remain pure and abstain from any kind of physical activity. Joseph remained pure. Joseph did. History records that Joseph loved Mary. He loved her. Even though this was an arranged marriage and money had changed hands in order to arrange it. The fact of the matter is that Joseph loved Mary. He loved her. He committed himself to Mary, uh, and his expectation was that she would do the same. He was committed to her. Even though it had been arranged behind the scenes, he was committed to Mary. No doubt Joseph was looking forward to the day when he and Mary would come together as husband and wife, officially. He was probably busy preparing the home that they would live in and putting things in order. Joseph, as we all know, was a carpenter, so he, he, he likely was busy designing and building rooms that they would occupy in their new home places for the children to play in, and maybe even building toys for the children to play with in the future. His days were probably filled with hard work and his nights with dreams about his future with Mary and the kids that they would have. Then, like a cruel slap in the face, comes the news that shattered all of his hope in all of his dreams, Joseph had a day like I had in 1979. But his day was probably a lot worse than mine was. Had to feel like for Joseph, as it felt for me, like the worst day of his life. He Think about it. He had found his Although it was arranged, Joseph had found his rare jewel. He had found the one that many searched for all of their lives and never found. He had found his boo. John, you found your boo, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can say it. I know you didn't say it like that, but. 
Rick, Rick, you found your boo, right? Yeah, amen. <laughs> just say amen, even if you don't know what boo means. Amen. Just say, Bob, you found your boo, right? Chris, found you, right, right? Yeah, amen. Just say amen. I found mine, you found. Joseph had finally found, even though it had been set up in the background, uh, it was God ordained. Joseph had finally found the one that was right, his help meet, that was suited exactly for him. Brother Sam, you found your boo, didn't you? <laughs> then in verse 18, he gets some heartbreaking news. After finding her and he's excited about it, he gets this news that breaks his heart in verse 18, and here it is. Mary is pregnant. Mary is pregnant. And he knows, now this kind of goes along the lines of the booth, he knows he ain't the daddy. Can you imagine? He's not the, his boo is with child, and he is not the daddy. And to make matters worse, she's telling him some story about a ghost. A, a ghost, Joseph, a ghost did this to me. A spirit did this to me. Can you imagine? Uh, Joseph here is experiencing heartache and heartbreak. Some of you have experienced heartache and heartbreak, maybe not like Joseph, maybe not like me, but you've had some. Maybe you've experienced what I did. Maybe, maybe mom and dad broke up and never got back together. That changed your life. Maybe a loved one passed away and it was heartbreaking and it was heart aching. Maybe you were rejected by the one who you had your heart set on. But their heart wasn't set on you. Maybe somebody has lost a job that you were counting on. Maybe somebody's child has let them down. And you had these expectations and, and, and they didn't live up to your expectations. Heartbreak is difficult to deal with. When your heart is broken, anything might happen. When your heart is aching, it's difficult to find a way to manage that situation. Right? Now, 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 we're talking about Joseph today. We're talking about Joseph today. Next week, we're going to talk about Jesus. But I think Joseph has something to offer us as we look into this Advent story. I think we get something from Joseph because all of us, in a practical sense, deal with heartbreak. And Joseph can help us to understand how to maneuver and to manage these situations. Sometimes God shatters our dreams because he knows what's best. Sometimes he does it because he can see down the line. He knows what's best for us. And as difficult and as painful as it may be in the moment, God knows what's best. 
Did you know? Uh, let me, let me, can I share something with you about God? God will break your heart so that he can blow your mind. Did you know that? He, he will. He'll break your heart in the moment so that you can look back on it later and say, God, you blew my mind with that. He'll do that. He'll do that. He will turn your heartbreak into hallelujah. That's what he'll do. Uh, but then there's other times, sometimes it happens that way. There are other times that he's just there to pick up the pieces and help us move on. Sometimes he's not, he's not orchestrating it. Sometimes he's not behind it. Uh, sometimes it just happens. Sometimes heartache and heartbreak just happens. And we have a God who even in those times when he didn't put it together, he's not the one behind it. That at least we know that when he didn't put it together, he is still standing right there waiting and willing to help us pick up the pieces like he did for me in 1979. And move on. That's the kind of God we serve. I believe Joseph can help us answer the question, what do we do when our dreams are shattered? When our hearts are broken? I believe Joseph in the text reminds us of two don'ts and one do. Two don'ts and one do. The first don't I believe Joseph reminds us of is this. Don't allow disappointment to bring out the worst in you. Don't allow disappointment to bring out the worst in you. It's in verse 19. Verse 19 says this. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Uh. Those of you that, are here, that were here with us last week, remember that I told you last week that all of us have another side. There's another side to us. There's another, there's another side. Uh, and, 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 and here's the thing, here's the interesting thing, the funny thing about it is that some of us have multiple other sides. <laughs> yeah, 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 you can laugh. I know, yeah, because yeah, you know sometimes you don't have just one other side. Sometimes there's multiple other sides dwelling on the inside of us. Uh, some of us have folks trapped on the inside of us that we try our best to contain. But every now and then, that person comes out <laughs> even when we try to keep them inside. Here's the thing. We cannot allow disappointment to let that other person come out. We can't allow disappointment to bring out that other person or those other people. Some, some that you know, y'all laughing because you know, some of us are bad. We got three, four different, five different personalities. <laughs> and, 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 and watch this, you have to be very careful that disappointment does not bring out those other four or five people on the inside because when those people come out, it's normally not a good thing. Joseph, Joseph is dealing with this. Joseph believes his future wife has cheated on him. And if Joseph had been like some of us, 
tell the truth, Joseph would have went totally off. He would have probably went totally off on her. I found my, my boo. I found my, as Proverbs says, my good thing. And you're telling me, I, you know, Joseph, it had, if it had been one of us, likely we would have went off. So often when things become violent and volatile, it's because people get news that they're not able to handle. News that not able to handle oftentimes bring out, brings out violence and volatility and the situation just declines and diminishes from there because we're not equipped to deal with disappointment. Rather than keeping oneself together, we let that other person come out. And when that other person comes out, it always ends bad. Never ends well. It may not, it may not ever become physical, or it might, but you might say some stuff that you wish you never said. Might say some things that you wish you could take back. But the problem is, is that once the bell is rung, it's difficult to unring it. And so, and so we have to be careful on the front side of it not to say something that we know we can't take back. All of us are guilty of that. All of us are guilty of that, of handling disappointment the wrong way. I submit to you, and Joseph helps us to see that we can't be vindictive and we can't be devious in our dealings with disappointment. Can't do that. Joseph doesn't do that. He stays true to who he is. He, it, it, it helps us see who Joseph is in verse 19 because in verse 19 it says that Joseph is a just man. Doesn't it? Say, it says Joseph being a just man. It, that, that says a lot about who Joseph is right there, that, that, that he is a just man. And even in the face of disappointment, he stays true to who he is. He's just even in disappointment, he was not. Here, here's the reason why we can say that, because he was not willing to make her a public example. And he had a mind to divorce her, but he wanted to do it quietly. That was his first thought. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to divorce her, but I'm going to do it quietly. Because according to Deuteronomy 22, based on what she told him, he had the right to divorce her. Joseph, in his mind, had been faithful and committed. He had not done anything. He had, he, had been, he had been pure all of the time of their betrothal. He had been pure, but in his mind, Mary had not done the same. So based on Old Testament scripture, he had the right, according to the law, to divorce her. Based on what she told him, she was with child. But the problem was that if he did divorce her publicly, Based on that same chapter in Deuteronomy 22, the people of the city had the re and, and the religious, religious leaders had a right to take her out and stone her to death. That's what it says. So Joseph is thinking about this. Uh, I, I legally, I'm okay if I, if I divorce her, but I'm Joseph. I have morals. I have compassion. I don't know, I, I still, watch this, I still love Mary. I still care for her. So, Joseph being compassionate and Joseph loving Mary, he does not want to see Mary harmed in any way. Even in the face of heartbreak, he remains true to himself. 
So I think Joseph would tell us, don't allow disappointment to bring out the worst in you. And then before he even knows the rest of the story, I think he would say this to us. Second thing, don't move too fast. Don't move too fast. No matter what. I mean, Ashley, that applies to any situation in life. No matter what it is, it, it, it may not be Mary, it may not be baby Jesus, it may not be 1979. Whatever the case is, here's, here's, the, here's Joseph's uh, solution to the problem, right? Don't ever move too fast. And as Joseph looks back on it, I think he would even say that now more than he would have said it then because then he didn't even know how the story would end. But I think he would say don't move too fast. At, if he was able to look back on it, I think he would say with a surety, I was right. Don't move too fast. It's in verse 20. Verse 20 says this. I love the way verse 20 starts because verse 19 didn't end well. Go back to 19, Cody. Help, let, me, let me show you something. Look, verse 19 doesn't end well. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man, he's just, uh, he's unwilling to, he wants to put her away, but he doesn't want to do it uh, in the open. Uh, so he, he's still going to divorce her in his mind. He's already made up in his mind in 19 to follow what Deuteronomy 22 says. He's going to divorce her, but he's because she has let him down. She has disappointed him. 19 doesn't end well. 19 ends with divorce on the horizon, but 20, 20, 20, 20 starts in a way that says there's good news in 20. Because look at what 20 starts with. It starts with that all familiar three-letter word that helps us have hope all throughout Scripture. Whenever you see this word, you know something's about, about to change. You know the flip, is the flip, the script. See, I'm sick this morning. The script is about to be flipped. So 20 says this, but he's wanting to divorce her, but as he considered these things, right, sometimes, so look at what it says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is, of the Holy, is from the Holy Spirit. Sometimes following your first mind is not the best thing. I know we like to say always follow your first mind. Sometimes that's a mistake. Because watch this, we've been conditioned in a certain way, right? Because of our experiences, right? And, and, and all the time is the, our first mind is not the best response. And so there's a but there. The but is because of this. He thought about it. He had made up his mind in 19. He's going to divorce, divorce, divorce her, but he thought about it. So Joseph would say to us, listen, here, here's what I'd share with you. He would say in the 21st century, he would say to us, don't panic. Take some time to think about it. As Joseph looks back on this situation, I believe he would say that. I believe he would say no matter how uh, disappointing it is, don't panic. Take some time to think about it. Had Joseph gone with his first mind, he would have interfered with the very providence and plan of God. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, you can't really do that because God is sovereign and his plan is going to come to pass no matter what. And I agree with that. God would have, if Joseph had not done what God wanted him to do, God would have done, done it through somebody else. Right? So God's plan would have still, but, but, but God's plan was for Joseph to be the stepfather of Jesus. And if Joseph had reacted in the way 
that his first mind told him to react, he would have, he would have destroyed, he would have uh, 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 interfered with the very providence of God and his plan. Joseph takes a break. He thinks about it. He take, in fact, he takes such a break and thinks about it so hard that the text says he falls asleep. He's thinking about it so hard and long that he falls asleep. And I think Joseph, as he looks back on this, would say to us today in the 21st century, whenever there is disappointment, whenever there is uh, a crucial moment, whenever there is a fork in the road, I think Joseph would say to us, sleep on it. Sleep on it. Because when... When you sleep on it, you have time to think about it. When you sleep on it, things happen, right? Things happen. Uh, so I can prove it. It's in the text. As he thinks about it and sleeps on it, the Lord, by way of an angel, shows up. As he is pondering the situation and sleeping on it, the Lord shows up. Because it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. The only way he could appear to him in a dream is that he had to be asleep. Right? The Lord appeared to him in a dream. Uh, the Lord shows up. So, here's the interesting thing. If we slow down, if we don't panic, if we don't move too fast, if we give the Lord some time to help us in these critical moments, if we do that, if we, if we sleep on it, if we, if, we, if we meditate on it, if we ponder it a little bit before we just go with our first rash thought, the Lord will show up. He'll give us direction. He'll give us guidance. He'll help us through these, these trying times. He does it for Joseph. He'll do it for us. So I think Joseph will say to us, don't allow disappointment to bring out the worst in you. Don't move too fast. And then lastly, I think Joseph would say, do what thus saith the Lord. I think that's the last thing he would share with us. Do what thus saith the Lord. Because in verse 24, look at what happens. After waking up from his dream, 24 says, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. He took his wife. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. In 24, uh, here's the bottom line. Do whatever. So, so we slow down. We think about it. The Lord gives us direction. Here's, here's the key. Just do it, right? Whatever the Lord said, do Do what thus saith the Lord. He obeys the Lord. But you can imagine, though, even in obeying the Lord, you can imagine the thought, uh, how would he be viewed in the community? Because, look, the reality is that everybody would have had to know. Mary's pregnant. <laughs> it's hard to hide that. <laughs> everybody knows. The, what, what are people going to think in the community? What, what are people going to think? What are people going to say about Joseph? Right? What, how is he going to be viewed? Uh, this would not be an easy decision. Uh, but here's the thing. If what the angel of the Lord said is true, it'll all be worth it. 
if what the angel of the Lord said is true, and he's going to be Jesus, and he's going to save the world from their sins, if this is true, in Joseph's mind, it's all worth it. I don't care what people say. I don't care how they talk about me. If this is true, it's all worth it because God always has a plan. He always has a plan. So let's revisit 20 through 23. We skipped over that. Uh, we read it earlier. Let's revisit it because here's the plan. The plan is this, 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. Here's the plan. Here's the plan. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet from Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And can't you imagine Joseph thinking, what are they going to say about me? How am I going to be viewed? What are they going what, what's the word going to be about me? But in the back of his mind, he's also thinking, but if what the angel of the Lord said to me is true, then I don't care what people say. She's going to give birth to the Messiah. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means that God is with us. And if this is true, I'm not concerned about how I'll be viewed. And so he decides to do what thus saith the Lord because he realizes what we should realize today. And that is that God always has a plan. No matter how bad it sounds or looks initially, God always has a plan. That being looked back on, as we look back on it uh, later his plan will be beautiful. It may not look so beautiful in the beginning. It may look messy. It may look bad. It may look terrible in the beginning when we're in it. But when we look back on it, we realize that if this was God's plan, it's always beautiful as we look back. Is that right? And God's plan here was that this virgin would bring forth a child and his name would be called Emmanuel, and he would save his people from their sins. And this is a plan to shout about. As we look back on it, we realize how beautiful this plan is. But in the moment, it didn't look good. Stories told of an engineer who was confined to his bed. He was paralyzed in his lower extremities. And uh, but he was an engineer, and he had a he had a very he had a very good reputation of being a good engineer. And so some men come to him because of his reputation of being a good engineer, and they come to him and ask him to design a bridge. He designs this bridge. He makes blueprints for this bridge. The men that came to him in search of the blueprints that he designed because of his reputation of being such a good engineer, they take these blueprints and they go and they spend months building this bridge. After months building this bridge, they come back 
to this man. Four of them come back and they notify him, Brother Kimmy, that the bridge is complete and they want to take him so that he can witness and see the bridge. And so four of them take him on his cot and they take him to a place and set him down where he can look out over his work and see the bridge that he had designed. And as he looks at the bridge uh, with all the cars going over it and how beautiful it is, tears begin to flow from his eyes. And he can't help but to see the beauty in what he designed. And he says, as he looks out at the bridge, it's just like the plan. It's just like the plan. And I don't know about you. But as we live life in preparation to meet our Savior, I want to hear him say, not just well done, my good and faithful servant, but I want to hear him say, as he looks back over my life, as much as, it is, as I'm able to, I want to hear him say, it looks just like the plan. It looks just like the plan. God is faithful. I want to close with sharing a poem with you about God's plan for us. Here it is. It's from Deborah Ann. Deborah Ann says this. God has a plan for you, a charted out course. If you will let him be your navigation source, he will lead you and guide you every step of the way. If you will let him be the one has the say. He won't steer you wrong. He'll give you direction if you'll let him be your heavenly connection. He won't misinform you. He'll always be there if you'll let him be the one your burdens bear. God has a plan for you, a peaceful destination, but you must let him be in control of every situation. Even a situation like Joseph's. God was still in control. He's in control right now. I know he's in control because we're preparing to celebrate the birth of our Savior, who was the beautiful plan that as we look back on it, we celebrate that plan. It looks just like the plan. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your plan. Thank you for giving us, Lord God, what we need to deal with difficult situations. Thank you for silent Joseph, who doesn't say a word, but who gives us great lessons. Thank you, Lord.